There are no mimosas in the dark tower. Knock on wood. Yeah, imagine how much more chill Roland would be if he just had, like, (laughs) a nice brunch. He'd drink a lot of mimosas. Yeah. I mean, he'd be like, my God, this is so sweet. (laughs) Yay, gods. (laughs) I mean, it tastes better than Pepsi. 600 years or something, and it's Pepsi. Ugh. Ugh. Welcome to the 80s, Roland. Here's a Pepsi. Long days and pleasant nights, listeners. Welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm your host, Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. And... As you, you can guess from that intro, we're not doing our regular regular Dune conversation today. We're talking about, uh, we're going back to our Dark Tower discussion to talk about the second book in the series, The Drawing of the Three, a book that we've both read many, many times. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. So welcome, everybody. Welcome. And may you have twice the number. <laughs> oh, Megan has been bullying me into doing this. <laughs> you all know. I like the language stuff. It's just fun no, to me. No, it's good. It's good. And it's good world building. And yeah, so for those of you that joined us last time for our discussion of the gunslinger, we are picking up right where kind of right where we left off i think it's been like seven hours yeah yeah. from the end of the first book to the beginning of the second book oh and that's a it's a a harrowing harrowing beginning i couldn't believe it when i first read this i yeah i couldn't either what's so funny is that i tried to read the first book my dad gave it to me when i was younger i couldn't get into it I was like, uh, I'll give it another try later. Years went by. I was bored one day. I picked up the third book oh. and read it. And I was like, wow, this is really great. Like, I had not read all of the first book. I had not read any of the second book. So I read the third book and I was like, oh, I, I guess I should read the others. So when I came back around to reading this book, it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't believe that happens even though they say like he has, you know, diminished hand or whatever. So, Megan, what happens in the beginning of this book? So, as we've left, Roland is passed out on the beach and having he, a snooze. Just having a snooze cuz you know, when you He didn't sleep long enough. When you pass centuries of time with, you know, evil dudes <laughs> mm-hmm. you're pretty sleepy you need a yeah. little a little bit of a shut eye he really and takes it out of you then he wakes up and there's giant lobsters yeah and i always thought like maybe the size of a like a like a pekingese or you know just like a small dog but then i was looking up the um like i just did a google image search and one mm-hmm. of the first things that came up was a like an image from the the comic book series which shows like what these things actually look like and it's kind of a cross between a lobster and a spider and it's it's huge and just absolutely horrifying oh this makes me sad i'm looking at the picture i don't like that at all yeah no i'm like wow we really wish i had not seen that 
uh, and it bites off two of his fingers on his right hand and mm-hmm. most of one of his toes. Yeah. Uh, and destroys his boot, which I think is actually what he's more upset about. <laughs> Boots hard to come by. Well, he, he wakes up because he gets, um, it's important to note that he yes. wakes up because he's, he's sleeping on the beach and I guess the high tide starts coming in and it gets his, like his jeans wet. That's not a, such a big deal, but his gun belt, he's yeah. still wearing his gun belts and his guns. So they get wet. And that is actually a very big deal mm-hmm. because, you know, these are all like hand loaded special you know i don't i hesitate to say magic bullets but anything goes in this in midworld yeah and you just shouldn't get guns wet really to begin with and especially not in this situation so his instincts wake him up but then it's like oh shit i just woke up i'm on this beach what is that oh it ate my hand yeah it, it it really does happen like boom 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 yeah just like that in this really fast succession and there's a moment like when he's trying to like kick it away that it just like you really don't think he's gonna he's gonna make it yeah you're starting this thinking like is this character just is he going to die is something going to happen i mean i couldn't believe it when i first read it that you know we only really get one book where he's at quote unquote like full capacity yeah you know after this he's he can't really use his right hand right um he i mean he he adapts but he can't use his guns with his right hand like he used to uh that kind of becomes everybody else's gun mm-hmm. uh, yeah and and it takes a while to untrain that hand because yeah. it it does often like reach for the gun or try to pick up the gun and then it's like oh you don't have fingers there anymore and it's also just the case that, you know, he's he's right-handed because there's a point yeah. later where he's about to use a knife and Eddie's like, are you left-handed? And he's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Just come here. <laughs> uh, but since it's a Stephen King novel, which means we're going to get lots of extraneous facts about people, jerks mm-hmm. off with his left hand. So he's, yes. he's you know, that's okay. Yeah. Thanks, I mean, Roland. I mean, think about <laughs> how much it would have sucked, though. <laughs> If he couldn't at least have that. <laughs> I, I, granted, but, and I, I do like that that's, I love when Stephen King gives his characters those, like, crazy, because I think your thoughts go all kinds of places, all kinds of times. Oh, for sure. Uh, but it is just sort of this funny little, like, he's just like, well, at least I could still jerk off. <laughs> it's like, also, there's a giant <laughs> lobster attacking you. <laughs> uh, but so he manages to kill it. Yeah. And get himself far enough up the beach that the rest of the them, because they're all just coming out of the ocean, uh, talking and being creepy. Yes, they talk. They, they talk. have this, like, um, it's not, like, really words, but they just make this these sounds that mm-hmm. in such a way with, with an actual, like, inflection that makes it sound like they're asking questions. Ugh. Yeah. It's, they vocal it's, fry. It's very creepy. Uh, and it all starts to get, his wounds start to get infected because not only, I mean, is that not a great situation to get super wounded in, they are also yeah. venomous. Right. Um. Yeah, so it's, like, looking pretty grim for Roland. He's walking along the beach, getting sicker by the day, um, having to, you know, sleep when, uh, is he sleeping during the day at this point when the 
the monsters are because they're nocturnal they only come out of the water at night i think so as much as he can um but he doesn't have any food he doesn't have any water right uh he's barely has a shirt at this point because he's had to use it all for bandages mm-hmm. and then he sees a door yes a door standing in the middle of the like on in the middle of the beach maybe what, like a mile ahead of him or something mm-hmm. like he can see super far yeah um yeah but there's a door just on its own in midair kind of um he when he gets to it he can like walk around and like he can see like the thickness of the door but then when you get around to the to the backside like whatever is behind it or should be behind it is not there mm-hmm. there's nothing there but when you open it yes so if you guys remember at the end of the last book you know Roland caught up with the man in black mm-hmm. they had their little jam session (laughs) whatever you want to call it they had their long talk and you know walter drew three cards for roland and the first was called um oh gosh the prisoner yeah so this is that and that's what's written on this door the prisoner so this is where you kind of get the feeling like okay so this is a person that he has to bring from another place into Mm -hmm. where he is uh, and the image that he sees of this card is something that people, like, that we would understand because mm-hmm. it is a young man with a baboon on his back. Yes. Uh, which... the, and the baboon is, like, flogging him. Yes. And that is because it's Eddie. Yes. It's, it's Eddie Dean, who is our, um, you know, the second of our quartet. Mm-hmm. He is uh, a young man from New York. I think he's, what, 24? 23. 23, yeah. So he's pretty young from New York City. Um, He is a a heroin addict, along Mm -hmm. with his older brother, Henry. Um, Yeah, he's just kind of in... He's in a real mess, is our (laughs) Eddie. He's on a plane, uh, which is a hilarious moment. When Roland first opens the door, because when he opens the door, he can see <laughs> through Eddie's eyes. And what he sees is Eddie looking out the window of this plane. So he just, like, yeah. opens this door and can just sort of see, you know, what you see when you're looking out the window of an airplane. And he screams and slams the door. Shuts the door. <laughs> like, what I oh my do. god, no. <laughs> uh, he eventually starts to realize, Roland does, that, that this is what's happening. That he is seeing through whom he is now calling the prisoner, because that was yes. the card. Um yes. That he is seeing through his eyes. Eddie is on a plane. He is flying, we find out, from Barbados, is it? I think so. Um, from the, you know, the islands somewhere. From he is Caribbean, smuggling yeah. cocaine. Yeah. Uh, he has gone to, uh, on this trip, to smuggle, it's like two giant bricks of cocaine back to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get a little of his backstory of him, like working this deal and everything but now he's on the plane flying back and even before roland gets inside his head he is not doing too well no (laughs) uh he hasn't shot up in a long time because he knows that it won't do him any good to be high when he lands in new york yeah um he is just you know hasn't eaten i mean he's he's a junkie you know he Mm -hmm. they they 
referenced several times that he's doing better than his brother, which is why he got picked to go on this job than and not yeah. Henry, because good lord, uh, <laughs> the plane would have exploded. And I think it's a pretty important too to note up front that Eddie is. I mean, yes, he is. He does have this horrible addiction, but he is also like incredibly smart and mm-hmm. observant and thinks well on his feet. I mean, at this point when we meet him, all of this the those things about him are dulled by yeah. his addiction. But mm-hmm. he is still able to think relatively clearly for most of most of this interaction. So this is one of the sections that I think um gets I find interesting just because a lot of the stuff on the airplane is stuff that has since like gotten retconned. Oh, sure. Because having, because when I read it, I read, I think the original version of the gunslinger Then I read this. And then at another point I read what was the edited, like the new, like Mm. revised edition of the gunslinger. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is that in the initial gunslinger, there's, lots of references to paper yeah uh and then in but then in drawing the three on the airplane he roland is seeing people how we use paper in our world mm-hmm. and he's just sort of stunned by it like there's you know businessmen writing on notepads and like tearing it off and throwing away you know scrap paper and magazines yeah. and all kinds of stuff and also that the stewardesses are wearing like pantsuits yeah and he calls a- he calls them army uniforms yeah. <laughs> and he's amazed that they're wearing pants because he's never he thinks that he's never seen a woman dressed like that who wasn't undressed like it wasn't in like mm-hmm. her bloomers uh but later um once we get to wizard and glass like there's yeah, just there's like jeans women and pants wear galore. jeans yeah uh so it's just one of those little things because it's such a big deal because he's very much just like what's happening am i in the sky i can see that woman's crotch <laughs> I'm in the sky carriage. I'm in the sky carriage of what is happening. <laughs> yeah, so um I do like that know, he immediately knows that the women are like the authority though. Yeah. That he is just like, oh, this is like the soldiers of this sky carriage are these women. <laughs> All right, fine. It's like okay, Roland, good for you. <laughs> well, there's just there's issues on the airplane because Eddie, first of all, is not reacting super well to suddenly being possessed. <laughs> No. Because <laughs> he hears Roland's voice in the back of his head. And so he is very just like, who's talking th- to me? He thinks it's something like because he thinks he's like coming down too mm-hmm. hard or, you know, like he's like, okay, obviously I'm going to need to do something because just something to take the edge off because this is really messing with me. I'm hearing voices. Uh, but not he- only is, is Eddie hearing voices, but the flight attendant actually when Roland decides to kind of come forward and speak through Eddie. This is a, I I love this little detail. Um, Eddie's eyes change from hazel to blue. Mm -hmm. And she's like, "Um, that's weird. I thought that guy had cute green eyes. Yeah, because that's one thing that, you know, that is, and that's another thing of like how you talked about parts of Eddie kind of being dulled uh, Mm -hmm. by his addiction is that we do find out that he's, you know, he's a cutie. Yeah. He's a little cutie pie, but he's not really at the moment because, you know, as cute and, you know, kind of flirty as he is, he's not super with it. Yeah. You know, he's he's dulled. He doesn't have like he's... that sparkle, as it yeah. were. And he's super pale. Yeah. 
So she is kind of just like, I assume this guy was just airsick or something, but she starts, so she starts clicking through in her head, this, this flight attendant that, you know, maybe he was wearing colored contact lenses, which for the time were very expensive. Yeah. And she thinks about how strange it would be for someone to just randomly have those and that maybe she just needs to pay attention because also when he is sort of awake, because he's like asleep and he kind of comes to as Roland and Roland orders a sandwich Mm-hmm. But he says popkin because yeah. he doesn't know the word for sandwich until he pulls it out of Eddie's head, uh, manages to get one. And then when she brings it, he says, thank you, Sai. And she yes. thinks, was that, was he asleep or did he like lapse into what she is presuming at the time to be like Arabic or something? Because yeah. It's the 80s like, he, and, yeah. He's, she's immediately thinking he's a terrorist. Yeah. So she arms herself later which i love with just like a thermos of hot coffee yeah <laughs> and it's like if he pulls out a gun i'm gonna, I'm burn gonna him. throw this in his face <laughs> uh but so at, at one point when this stewardess realizes like she gets one of her assist like her compatriots to come and help her when they're about to get they're getting ready to land and well, she thinks that Eddie is reaching for a weapon in his bag. She's armed with her hot coffee. It is, in fact, a... He's just getting his papers. Yeah. Uh, but while he's getting his papers, the other stewardess notices that he's got massive blocks of cocaine yeah. strapped under his shirt. She's like, <laughs> um, <laughs> he has these giant <laughs> bulges under his armpits. So... <laughs> But That's a big probably. important thing that happens in the middle of the flight yeah. is that Roland realizes that he can take things back yeah. through the door to his body. Yeah, he takes the sandwich back back through with him. Which... Oh, except uh, he's holding both. He's holding each half of the sandwich. It's cut in half. Mm-hmm. Hold, holding it in each of one, one half in each of Eddie's hands. But when he goes back through the door, the sandwich goes with him. But he doesn't have those fingers on his right yeah. hand, so that he drops that sandwich. And it's tuna fish, so Tutor. it's... Oh. This <laughs> poor man is having to eat the worst of our earth food. What are you talking I, about? Tuna I hate tuna fish. Uh, I hate tuna fish sandwiches. I love them. I, I hate Pepsi. I don't eat meat anymore, but I'm just thinking about it makes me hungry. Oh, I cannot abide tuna. <laughs> Growing up, when we would have macaroni and cheese, like my mom would put tuna fish in it, and I'd have to get mine first because <laughs> I was like, "Do not do that to me." Now my parents <laughs> eat that all the time, and I'm like, "Yeah," because I moved out. So now you guys can live your crazy tuna casserole <laughs> life all you want to, but I do not <laughs> like tuna. Uh, I don't like tuna fish like you get it in a sandwich. Mm. If I'm at a restaurant and they're like, oh, you know, here's a tuna steak or something. Yeah. Yeah. Delightful. Mm -hmm. But um, I cannot. But like from a can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, thanks for this airline tuna fish sandwich. (laughs) I mean, I get that he's dying. Well, this this was the the 80s and, you know, they actually made food on on planes back then. I mean, I guess. She's like, we'll be serving a hot meal. And I was like, what airline is this? Oh, like it's international. You're just coming from the Caribbean. Like yeah, it's wow. technically international, but at the time, I mean, 
But so he takes the sandwiches back, he eats the sandwiches, and mm-hmm. he's very happy, but he doesn't have anything to drink, and he knows he needs medicine. Yes. Uh, so then there is an extraordinarily long sequence on the airplane that I think is too long. Yeah, yeah. It's some of these, some of this does drag a bit. Um, there are parts of this whole book I feel like that drag a little bit and go on a little longer than it needed to. There's a but... whole sequence where Roland realizes, so like they, he, Roland can tell that the air, the flight attendants know something is up. Mm-hmm. Because they're he having a to... fake conversation and like the one is fake laughing and he's just like, yeah, yeah they're talking about us. Like they know something's up. They're going to stop him. Whatever is going to happen. He keeps calling customs the clearing of the customs. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like just like, ritual. whatever ritual that they have to do when he gets off this sky carriage, he is not going to be able to do because of whatever is happening. So he realizes that if he was able to take the sandwiches back, that he could conceivably take the cocaine back, hide it in Midworld, and then Eddie can get off the plane and go through customs and there won't be any cocaine. Which they do, but there's a whole thing because, like, it's all, like, it's taped to Eddie, so they have to, this one, Roland is like, here I come with my knife. I am not right-handed. Yeah, Good luck. he decides to um to cut to make his presence like more mm-hmm. overtly known to Eddie. I think it's important to realize. Like Eddie at first is like, "Am I going nuts?" And Roland is like, "No, I'm in your head, you idiot. Get yourself together." Oh yeah, he gives him the what for. Like yeah, he is just like it's pretty hey. satisfying actually. Yeah, and it's just it's what Eddie needs. Yeah. Because it's what Eddie thinks that he's always gotten from his brother, but that's bullshit because his brother Mm -hmm. is a piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah, before his drug problems. And that is an interesting thing that I've only really come to understand more reading it as an older adult because he's not in the book very much, uh, Henry Dean. Mm -mm. Uh, And we just hear a lot of his life from Eddie. And you realize just he's so manipulative. Mm-hmm. And to use, you know, what has become kind of a cliche term, but he's very toxic. Like, he's just he sort is. of, a, you know, gaslighter and a manipulator. And Eddie thinks that he owes his entire life to him because his brother treated him halfway decently sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, he later tells Roland a story about how when they were kids, Henry stole a car and took Eddie along. Like, they went joyriding. Eddie, who yeah. at the time was like eight and... Uh, Henry was like 12 he's older than that like 14 or 15 or something yeah and they drove past a police officer and Henry asked like do you think the police officer saw us and Eddie since he was scared said yes to try to like stop the situation like so his brother like pulled the car over and then like got out and ran leaving little Eddie to just, like, stuck in the car. And then he came back and got him, and Eddie's telling Roland this, and he's like, well, but he came back. Yeah, don't you get it? He came back for me. And Roland is like, Jesus, this guy. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, and Roland is just, like, from the beginning, as soon as Eddie starts, like, telling him all this, he's saying, like, he knew this whole story. Like, he knows what this story is. And, you know, and he's... You know, in his mind, of course, no, it's not worthwhile that Henry came back. It's that he left it all. Yeah. That his first instinct wasn't to protect his brother. Or but to, to leave them, him behind. But to leave him behind and try to save yeah. his own skin. And so, 
yeah, it's this little stuff like that where, you know, Eddie's just, and then his brother went to Vietnam, which is something that I think would be interesting in terms of adapting this. Yeah. Because there's, obviously there has been wars that you could still use, but Mm -hmm. it's different. It is different. Yeah. Like, you can change some stuff. If you just want to say that somebody was, is a veteran of a war, then yeah, you can say they were in Afghanistan or they were in Iraq, but Mm -hmm. it's not the same thing as they were in Vietnam. Yeah. But Um, God knows those are horrible enough as it is. Yeah. But before all this happens, uh, yes. I just got really angry at Henry Dean this last time around. So I was just like, Wah. No, I did too. And, you know, usually I just kind of read through those parts like, okay, we get it. But, like, this time I, I actually listened to the audiobook. And, yeah, I was just like, God, what a piece of shit. What an unmitigated yeah. waste of space. Like, and he I says hesitate how... to say that about anyone. Yeah, Eddie talks about how, like, their mom died shortly Mm -hmm. after henry came back from vietnam and he caught his brother snorting heroin yeah and that his initial response was to be like yeah what the fuck like get out get out and his henry did one of those i guess i'll just go i'm the worst i'll live on the street because i'm a piece of garbage and of course his little brother who has been raised also by their mother to just be like you're the best thing ever and henry's the best and he sacrificed everything for you he could have played baseball (laughs) and he could have gone to college except that you know he had to take care of you uh and there was a sister who died and it was like not good enough for any of that stuff honestly like he was never a good baseball player he never was smart enough to go to college Mm -hmm. yeah and he continues to do heroin gets eddie into doing heroin and then is the one who gets them all both into shooting it up as opposed to snorting it yeah Um, great guy great great dude fantastic individual Mm -hmm. uh but before all this so there's a lengthy sequence in the airplane bathroom where eddie is in midworld on the beach trying to strip and get this cocaine off of him and get redressed yeah and meanwhile they're banging on the bathroom door because they assume that he's trying to like flush all of this cocaine. Yeah. Which then... interesting thing that I learned from reading this book was that even, you know, they can test the water and mm-hmm. tell if it, if drugs have been flushed into the, the airplane toilet. Yeah. Unless they've like dumped it. But even then I think you can, you can check. I saw yeah. that on a criminal intent one time. So <laughs> I know I'm an expert. Uh, yeah. So they Get off the plane. He does end up in customs uh, for a while, like in uh, custody. Yeah, for like two hours. And that's important to note because the guy that he was, you know, smuggling for was sort of expecting, you know, he's he's been in the business. He's a mobster. He's been in the this way for forever and knows Mm -hmm. how things go. It's like. If you're there for a short time, they didn't have anything. They didn't find anything. If you're there for a really long time or if they take you to this other, you know, this official, like, central location, like, obviously you've been charged. They found the drugs, you know, whatever. Uh But the fact that Eddie was only in custody for two hours and then was let go with no charges, like, that's, like, a big red flag to these, to this gangster because... You know, obviously, like, now he's thinking, 
not only did you completely fuck up this yeah this but then you also thing, turned but you turned and you're now working for the for the cops or for customs or you know what a DEA, DEA. yeah yeah uh so and you get to see a little like eddie kind of gets some of his spine back mm-hmm. in this interaction with customs because he has like you know they're saying well you have marks from the tape and he's like yeah i got a rash Mm-hmm. And he has answers for everything. Because the other thing that's another part of him that hasn't been, like, really let out is that he is smartass. Yeah. Uh, there are definitely points in a great Stephen King, you know, tradition where you're just like, <laughs> shut up. You know, beep, beep, Betty. <laughs> beep, beep, Betty. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he is, so he is sort of, he is, like, new exclamation point Cuthbert. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> he's just... Uh, so they're giving him all this shit, and there's a lot of just like, well, where'd you do with it? Where is it? And he's just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. What, you know, why don't you check up my ass again? You know. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he realizes, though, that there's going to be an issue because he has managed to cover up the fact that, like, is not covered up that he's a junkie because they know. Mm-hmm. But his track marks on his arms have healed. He's been using his thigh. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they didn't check there. But he realizes that one of the guys is starting to be like, you know what? We're going to check all of you. And that's the point where he's just like, you know what? Get me my fucking lawyer. Like, Mm -hmm. let me out of here. So they let him out. He, they do follow them, which I like that part because they're out on the street. And so Roland is technically with him. And he's noticed two people that are definitely following them. And he's like, two people are following us. And Roland's like, yeah, five people are following us. Like, <laughs> good try. <Yeah. laughs> because Roland is so much better at this than Eddie. And I like that part where they point out how you can kind of tell the people that are trailing them. Because mm-hmm. it's like the one guy, there's a guy on a phone, which I assume is a phone booth. Yeah. Who isn't actually talking. Yeah. And, and he's actually woman... like looking around yeah. instead of just sort of glazed over the way people get uh-huh. when they're on the phone. Yeah. And there's a woman going through her purse who has just been going through her purse mm-hmm. at a point where you would have already stopped going through your purse or, yeah. you know, would have just given up or found what you were looking for. And there's a person looking at t-shirts who would have looked at all of the t-shirts several times over by then. Yeah. And so Eddie kind of, once he has this pointed out, it's like, oh, okay. Uh, he buys Roland some food. Yes. Uh, he buys him two hot dogs, uh, footlongs, no less. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh That's boy. a hungry boy. <laughs> oh, his stomach. He's his our hungry stomach. boy. What a hungry boy. <laughs> He's ordering all the food. Yeah. Welsh rarebit, beans on toast, <laughs> eggs. Gimme, gimme. <laughs> and some sausages. <laughs> Pot of tea. Um, <laughs> and he... It's two hot dogs with a lot of shit on them. Yeah. Because there's a point where he's like, I don't know if he likes all this stuff. Wait, why do I care? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, And some, it's not, it's like aspirin, like off of, you know, like a newsstand. Yeah. Basically. So it costs like $18. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you go to the gas station, you're like, oh, I'm going to buy some Tylenol. Oh, yeah. Oh, $7 a tablet. Mm-hmm. And a Pepsi. Uh, boo. Just a big old Pepsi. And so Roland... Everyone knows that when you're sick, you need ginger ale. 
Yeah. You should have gotten rolled Or at least like a Sprite. Ale. Yeah, a Sprite would be good. Mm, a nice crisp Sprite. Oh, so much better than a Pepsi. Do not and- at us, listeners. We do not <laughs> we're not Pepsi people. And Pepsi, do not at us because Bo is not here for brands no, that are interacting I'm, with people. I'm honestly gonna on start the Twitters. blocking every brand I see replying to a tweet. <laughs> that's obnoxious. Stop it. Uh, I just like that that's just this new thing of yours, which I appreciate and I respect, but I just like this idea that Pepsi will be like, hey guys, like no. Blocked. <laughs> Unfollow, unsubscribe, block. We're Absolutely not calling Pepsi. The police. <laughs> I've called the police, Pepsi. They are on their way. Now watch, it's going to be like Pepsi, the official sponsor of Dune. <laughs> Damn like, it. Oh, fuck. We have to unblock Pepsi now. Now we have this beef. <laughs> we will beef with Pepsi. I just... <laughs> It's just, it's one of those things. It's like you say, oh, I'd like a Coke. Oh, we have Pepsi. Well, then you don't mm-hmm. have what I want. Yeah. I will no. order a different drink. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But don't try to give me Pepsi. And yes, they do taste different. There's going to be people who are like, oh, it doesn't matter. It does. They do. They taste don't horrible. Don't tell me that it doesn't. I mean, I I don't drink soda, really. But like when I have one, I'm like, I'm not fucking around with a diet soda. Like Mm-mm. life's too short. Um, just give me a Coke. Like, give me all that sugar. Which, speaking of, mm-hmm. Roland gets himself a little sugar high. Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> well, there's no accounting for taste because he loves the Pepsi. Well, he's never had a soda. And yeah, he hasn't had sugar true. since, I don't even know, like 7,000 years ago. Yeah. However old this man is. Um. So, yeah, it's the sugar rush. He briefly wonders if sugar and cocaine are the same thing. <laughs> but then he's like, no, because Eddie just bought this at a, like, at a stand. Yeah. Whereas this cocaine is clearly causing all kinds of troubles. <laughs> <laughs> he also thinks hot dogs are dogs, which is something yeah, they used in the movie. Like, what, a, what an uncivilized place <laughs> this is if you eat dogs. Like, I dude, don't truck with that. Yeah. You were eating like mutant hot hamburgers. Like I don't want to hear about hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, like this is made from you know pig parts, but at least they weren't mutant pigs. Right. True. That we think. I mean, <laughs> there's no uh, telling. <laughs> the jungle. I mean, uh, I I don't eat hot dogs. I never have been a fan, but I will eat a hot dog. I won't lie. I won't <laughs> act too proud. Personally. I'm not gonna shame you for but it. It's just not my thing. I never think like, oh, I should have a hot dog, except when I was pregnant and they tell you not to. <laughs> and then we went to Costco, and of course Costco always has like you know the hot. And I was just like, I need hot dogs. <laughs> my husband was like, no, well, you said you didn't want to eat hot dogs because you read it, you know, you shouldn't have hot dogs. And I was like, hot dogs. <laughs> and I didn't, but oh my, it was the only time in my life that I've ever been like hot dog craving a hot dog <laughs> gotta eat that hot dog <laughs> gotta get that dog like just be a pregnant woman shoving people down hot dog <laughs> uh, he manages to... i'm sorry that's terrifying <laughs> it was it would have been very terrifying no the uh, way you say it it's terrifying. it's <laughs> 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 good shit oh god it's gonna be someone's gonna clip that <laughs> 
<laughs> I hope so. I hope someone, someone we know is going to be like, hey, Megan, here's a soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> I just want that. I would only want that for a recording of the first time that your phone rings around your husband. And then I want it like recorded as your phone starts going, contact. <laughs> it's just like, uh. What the fuck? <laughs> I think your phone has been hacked. <laughs> it's possessed. Roland manages to keep the hot dogs down, though. Bless yes. him. Because uh, the idea of eating anything at that point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hate eating when I'm sick. No. Oh, it's the worst. And, like, he's he's so far gone that he's not even hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, he's that sick. I mean, yeah. he's got, you know, the big streaks of red going up his arm from blood poisoning, the yeah. blood poisoning. Where even Eddie is just like, yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they get back to... Uh, the boss's house like they get balazar's yeah balazar uh and there's a lot of uh, you know they get picked up and it was like a pizza truck and yeah there's a lot of just like people are calling him the boss and it's just like i get it yeah they're mobsters (laughs) they're great they're just very bad dudes and very bad dudes they are holding henry yes um and just you know basically balazar is planning to you know once he finds out what really happened at customs he is planning on killing both henry and uh eddie so uh no matter how much these guys are schmoozing and being like hey eddie we get it things happen let's just go Mm -hmm. have a conversation and being like super reasonable um it's all you know just for show like eddie has a very you know, his expiration date is come and due. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Henry pretty much dies almost he immediately. He yeah. overdoses sort of off off stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it isn't until later that someone goes to get him and it's just like, oh, damn. This yeah. is not good. <laughs> uh, so Eddie, so Eddie says, like, this is our plan, you know, and he says, look. I have your cocaine. They didn't take it. And I'm not working for the DEA. But mm. what's going to happen is that I'm going to go into the bathroom. Uh, and he's naked at this point. Yeah. Because they've been strip searching him. Uh, he says, "We're gonna. I'm going to go in the bathroom by myself. And when I come out, I'm going to have the cocaine. Yeah. Like, don't ask any questions. Yeah. And Belazar uh, is actually starting to get a little uneasy yeah. with this. Because he's thinking about, like, magicians and like and well i don't know noticing that eddie is different that eddie's like more confident and you know he he just seems like cooler and a little more together and there was a moment in the van when mm-hmm. roland kind of as they put it like kind of stepped forward for a second and one of the other men saw eddie's eyes change color again mm-hmm. so he's also this guy is also like what was happening there there was something going on yeah so they end up saying that eddie can go into the bathroom uh they but they have one of the goons one of the goons comes with him Mm -hmm. which eddie at first is like an argue and is like no don't worry about it yeah like we got this don't come (laughs) on so they go in he goes into the bathroom they open the door and eddie goes through the door again and they take the goon with them yeah where 
Roland is going to shoot him, but he misfires uh, one of his guns the first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, The goon ends up getting killed. They feed him to the lobstrosities. He gets, I I don't think they feed him to him. Well, he he gets eaten by them. them. Yeah, he gets. uh, They don't help him, though. No. Because there's definitely a point where Eddie's just like, can you shoot him in the head or something? And Roland's like, no. (laughs) No, That's a waste of a bullet. Yeah. Uh, which is like, there's lots of little moments there where Eddie is starting to be like, you are kind of an ass. Yeah, you're, you're a cold motherfucker. Uh, so the, there's enough going on that the boss, Spalazar, is just like, yeah, someone go out there. And mm-hmm. as they are planning to come back out is when one of the other men comes into the room and is like, yeah, his brother's dead. Yeah. And Eddie loses it. Yeah. Uh, They get back out into the bathroom right before he hears this. And so it's important here that they had the goon had previously opened a little hidey hole that the boss had in the bathroom because he kind Mm -hmm. of which I thought was sort of a smart like they had a good moment where he says, go search the bathroom before Eddie goes in there to see where he's hiding this cocaine. And he says, is there anywhere that I should know about? Like any hidey holes that I don't know that he could hide something. And the guy's like, yeah, there's it's in the like. I think it's in the, like, the... Medicine uh, cabinet. Medicine cabinet. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't think of it. A false drawer or something, yeah. And it's, like... Obviously, there is child pornography, because we have to undercut that this is a bad person. Yeah. Uh, I was like, was this necessary? No, it absolutely was not. Like, I think we've gotten it at this point, that this guy is terrible. We didn't need to have that undercut. And then he's... But he has uh, antibiotics. Yes. Catholics. So Eddie's just like, ooh, this is good. We're going to need these. But then he finds out that his brother has been killed. And he's just like, yeah, I'm going to go out there with your gun. Mm -hmm. And then Roland's just like, ah. (laughs) And Roland says, fine, we're going to go out there. But we're going to have to kill everybody. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, he's going with him. So, like, Roland Mm -hmm. is through the door physically now. So they are two separate people now. And there's, so my book has illustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is one where it is undercut that this entire se- sequence, Eddie is just naked. Yeah, he's naked. And actually, Roland kind of makes a point to say, like, it's one of the most difficult, uh, one of the most difficult things you can do is fight while you're naked. So yeah. it, it kind of impresses Roland and, you know, he sees. I think that he knows like, that. I like yeah. that that's, you know, another part of his, his life experience where he's yeah. like, oh, that's hard. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. But it also comes out because then at the end, when they think that they've killed everyone, one of the other goons shows back up with Henry's head and starts yeah. mocking Eddie. And Eddie, like, runs over to attack this guy. And Roland's he like, it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you don't have any shoes on. You're all, your feet are all cut up from the glass. You're naked. Like he shoots the guy. He's like, we got to get your clothes. We got to get your stuff. We've got to get out of here. They get the antibiotics and they go back through the door. Yeah. Eddie wants to go back and get some heroin. And Roland's Mm -hmm. just like, yeah, no, that's done. Yeah. He says that part of your life is over. And just this very like cold way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Eddie is pissed. He's pissed. He's He's upset, he's, like, crying, he's screaming, he's, you know, he is going to have a rough go of it, because he is going to go through some pretty bad withdrawals. So some time goes through, 
uh, where Roland is battling his infection. He's taking the antibiotics. Um, Mm -hmm. Eddie is coming, is, you know, detoxing. Uh, And so they're both just miserable. They eat a lot of the lobstrosities, which freaks Roland out and I enjoy that Eddie is just like what did you think this food was coming from yeah like fuck you eat it <laughs> yeah and it he points out yet. <laughs> very smartly which I think is like you were saying like this is kind of you know Eddie's intelligence kind of coming back where he's just like look rattlesnakes can bite you and kill you but people mm-hmm. eat rattlesnake yeah like they themselves are not poisonous like their flesh is not poisonous so yeah. like the bite of these things is poisonous, but their meat isn't, so eat it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he just... says, maybe we're eating a bit of the goon that they killed. And Roland's like, well, you know, they ate, you know, my finger, my fingers too. And he's like, yeah, great. Yeah. And he's like, that's fine with me. Fine too. <laughs> There's and no then... love lost happening here now no. at the moment. <laughs> at the moment, they are not, they're not real buddies. No. Um, uh, he has, like, moments that he, Roland is trying to, like, be nice. And he realizes at one point that Eddie has made, like, a, like you know, something to pull him on. And he's just like, oh, that's actually yeah. pretty good. But he doesn't say that out loud. <laughs> he just thinks it. <laughs> no, at first he was actually going to say, like, oh, if, if Court, who was his old teacher, like, if Court saw this, he'd, he'd, you know, box his ears. And then he's like, no, he fucking wouldn't because... Eddie got me this far. Yeah, he by did something. Contraption. Yeah, and even yeah. if it wasn't good, it was you know it was something. He did something, so like that's good. Yeah. And but he doesn't at any point say out loud like "Good job, Eddie." <laughs> He's, no. He hasn't <laughs> had anyone to talk to in a very long time. <laughs> No, so he's still a little rusty. He does listen to Eddie talk about Mm -hmm. his brother a lot and all of their times. Like, this kind of goes back to, you know, Eddie's storytelling. So, you know, time time passes. It's kind of undetermined how long goes by. But they get to a point where Eddie is just detoxed enough to where he's doesn't really have the shakes anymore. Mm -hmm. He just has a little bit of a, a tremble in his hands. Um and they're starting to kind of like things are starting to go a little more smoothly. Roland's feeling he was feeling better. Now he's starting to feel kind of sketchy again. Because they're out of medicine. Um, yeah, he just had samples. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is about the point where Roland spots the second door. Yes. Which yeah. first is miles and miles away, apparently. And Eddie's <laughs> yeah. like, what are you talking about? And then. Uh, there are lots of moments where Eddie, as a character in a Stephen King novel, speaks solely in pop culture references, none of mm-hmm. which Roland understands, of course. Yeah. Uh, some of which I don't understand. <laughs> I'm like, Eddie, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, although there's probably reasons for that. Um, so they get to this second door, and this one is marked Lady of Shadows. Yes. The Lady of Shadows. And now... And, um, this is... Now we have to... Yeah, how sh- now we have to talk about Detta. Yeah. So... We do. Okay, so the next character that we're introduced to is... Should we just explain her? Yeah. So... Yeah, I think that would be easier. She is a, a black woman from the 60s named Odetta Holmes, mm-hmm. who is a like wealthy woman who is a civil rights activist. 
Uh, she uses a wheelchair because some years previously she was pushed in front of a subway train and lost her legs. Yes. Yes. Um, but when she was a child, she was hit in the head with a brick uh, that was dropped on mm-hmm. her by an asshole. And yes. that started to spark a sort of split personality uh, that goes Actually- back this reading this uh-huh. this time around reading it there is a mention like she says something about you know it was there before but the brick brought it yeah. out so like it it was just like she said something okay. about having these like secret feeling like these secret feelings and secret like these blank spots but they didn't quite happen with the frequency that they did until after the brick mm-hmm. was dropped on her and Detta is a caricature. Yes. Um, it's it's hard to talk about Detta without... Because Detta is a very offensive character in a lot of ways. Yes. So, so she's hard to talk about. Like, there's... Initially, when... Because what happens is Odetta experiences big swaths of time that she doesn't realize time has gone by. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're sort of introduced to this by her driver who is picking her up from a trip she's been on. And he's thinking about how previously she had, like, she'll disappear. For weeks at a time. Like, for weeks at a time. And when she shows back up, she doesn't have any understanding that she was gone. Uh, She'll mention things that happened the last night that she saw him as if it was the last night. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or she actually has been like fabricating, like her mind is like filling mm -hmm. that blank space with like, here's what you did last night. Yeah. Oh, last night, you know, I had dinner and Mm -hmm. watched the news and went to bed. Yeah. But like none of that actually happened. And so there's a lot of emphasis on kind of, like almost cl- like material differences between her and when she is Detta. Like there's a mm-hmm. flashback to being a young woman and like sleeping with a guy in the back of his car and she's Detta mm-hmm. at the time. So she's wearing like cheap underwear and she ends up like, you know, beating him in the face. Yeah. And, you know, stuff like that, like destruction gets her off. Yeah. Um, literally she's very much a she's an agent of chaos Mm -hmm. completely like she yeah um she shoplifts she shoplifts from like she shoplifts from like all the stores where she says like they cater to mostly white clientele like she enjoys shoplifting from them Mm -hmm. she enjoys like using men in (laughs) really nasty ways yeah, and she knows that a lot of people won't bother a woman who's in a wheelchair, so, you know, she'll cause lots of scenes, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's the biggest thing, I think the thing that comes up the most, is the fact yeah. that when she is Detta, she speaks in... This really <sighs> offensive patois. Yeah. Yeah, she's, it's like way over the top sort of butterfly mcqueen way of speaking that is just like not even the you know even to her it's a caricature yeah i mean and that's 
an important part of it because mm-hmm. you know Odetta talks about how when she like when, when she starts to become interested in activism that like she hasn't hadn't for a long time ever stopped to consider the fact that you know she is a black woman in the United States and what that mm-hmm. means and like who her ancestors were and yeah you know her parents won't talk about it like her parents are from they're from a small town and her dad is a dentist who patented a bunch of inventions that made them lots and lots of money and yeah. they have her parents have passed away at least her dad has i forget if her mom has i think so but her dad has yeah, and so, so she has inherited a lot of money she's very wealthy and she starts to kind of become interested in activism and starts to realize that while she lives in New York, she is in this sort of like protected bubble of, you know, she's wealthy and yes, she is black and there's, you know, she still experiences prejudice, but it's not anything compared to like, like she tells a story later, the day she got hit by the brick, you know, they were walking to the train because the cab driver wouldn't pick them up. Yeah. And you know, the experiences like that. And so when she is Detta, she is, you know, rage. Yeah. Uh, it's all of that. It's all of that, like, rage and frustration mm-hmm. at, you know, the way that just the way that she's always had been treated mm-hmm. and the way that life has always been. That's sort of like it's <laughs> it's very much and this is a weird comparison, but it's like it's very much sort of a thing how like in Jane Eyre, like, Bertha is a sort of the the avatar of, like, Jane's, like, sort of feminist frustration and rage mm-hmm. that, you know, that's how that's, like, expressed in that book. And so, like, Detta is very much an expression of Odetta's, you know, darker self or all of these experiences. And the... You know, and so there's a lot of like well, the first time that Roland goes through and is inside her mind, mm-hmm. she as Detta realizes one that he's there and two that he's white and yeah. like flips out about that. Mm-hmm. And she does not like having a white man in her head, and I really is, can't blame her. No, <laughs> and that was one of the things that came up a lot when when the movie yeah. was cast was you know well if they go further and they introduce eddie and Susanna. like how will that because a lot of the initial like the stuff between roland and detta is because he's white Mm -hmm. you know eddie detta is very just kind of like yeah whatever like not talking (laughs) to you you're not the one in charge you know she kind of you know uses herself against you know on him a couple of times later but it's not the same level but roland she sees as sort of you know Uh, he's definitely a threat yeah she calls him she thinks of him as the very bad man yeah which she she's not wrong um so there's that uh eventually (laughs) so just if anyone you know is listening to this who has never read this and is going oh dear god eventually uh both sides of this personality will kind of merge together to become one personality (laughs) known as Susanna, who is who you're mostly with for the rest of the book so yeah and and she is a bit of both because the thing about odetta odetta is that odetta is like this she's all heart she the reason that she got pushed in front of the train in the first place is because she didn't like the term limousine liberal Mm -hmm. even though she 
has a limousine yeah. and could be driven anywhere in the city. She was like, no, I, I want to be like one of the people. So she's taking the train because she really just she really cares about what people think of her. She really cares about yeah, um, like she's gone around her. And, you know, when, we, when she's first introduced, she's just gotten back from she was in the South. She was registering she was with the Freedom Riders. Yeah, she was yeah. registering people to vote. And, you know, when she meets Roland and Eddie initially, she becomes like when when Roland like kind of, you know, pushes her through the door, she goes from Detta mm-hmm. to Odetta and is just sort of like, and may I ask what's happening? Yeah, like, because hello. she <laughs> does not remember, you know, the she doesn't remember being in Macy's, which is where she yeah. is when Roland opens the door. That's where Detta is because Detta is in Macy's. Detta is stealing jewelry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Detta is just being Detta. And when Roland jumps into her mind, it's just like too much. Mm-hmm. It's too much. And when he pulls her into Midworld, that's when Detta sort of takes a back seat and Odetta comes forward. She doesn't believe that any of this is really happening. Because um, mm-hmm. she, one, is sort of, you know, because even when she's talking to Eddie, who is from, you know, the same place as her, he's from a different time. Yeah. So he has to say, like, you know, I was born the year that you left. Like, yeah. that's, you know, and there's a lot of little difference. Like, he calls her black, which she, she considers offensive. Very, yeah. Because the, the term is Negro in, from her time, and she does not. <laughs> she, he's like, oh, we don't say that now. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, well, don't call me that because, you know, I don't like yeah. it. Uh, and she's just sort of like, yeah, this is all very nice and your story is very entertaining, but I think I'm clearly having some kind of situation mentally. <laughs> uh, so we need to figure out a way yeah. for this to stop. And Roland I, I, puts it together relatively soon. Yeah. Like it doesn't take Roland very, it takes Eddie a little longer to glom well, on. Well, cause he's all moony eyed. Yes. He's immediately in love with her. Oh my gosh. Immediately. Like, the I mean, second she, like, smiles at him, he's like, hi, I'm Eddie. I love you. You're pretty. <laughs> that is pretty much how long it takes. It's wild. He's like, maybe she's five years older than me. Maybe she's 15 years older than me. I actually don't know. I love her. So just because we are running long, we're going to put a pin in it for this for this episode. We're going to be back with the second part because there's a lot more yeah. of this book we haven't gotten to yet just, these are the most and it's like these are the the central characters save one yeah, so it's of the of entire important. series so like their introductions yeah. are so important but yeah, yeah it, and it has they really been. do color like the rest of the series mm-hmm. so we have a lot more to say <laughs> yes and uh yeah so tune in next time at our regular weekly schedule <laughs> So we should have the episode up next week. Yes. One thing I do want to talk about just very quickly, just because I just thought of it, yeah. is that when Odetta first comes through and she starts to flip out, she starts to cry. And she's asking, like, where am I? She says, who am I? Which is, like, her first question. Because yeah. she's just that, like, wait, what's happening? And mm-hmm. Eddie's just looking at Roland, like, could you do something? And he finally just goes over and gives her a hug. And Roland's just sort of <laughs> sitting there like, yeah, I don't hug. Um, <laughs> our boy is not a hugger no he he thinks about how like you know in the past he's had you know feelings but now he does yeah. not and maybe 
oh you know <laughs> he's like oh feelings. i think it's important too because this is it's important to roland it's important for roland to have things to care about mm-hmm. it's both important and dangerous because he tells eddie several times like if it yeah i i am i care for you like you're important to me but yes i would throw you over yeah if it meant getting to the tower because he because and Eddie a couple of times says, don't judge me because you're a tower junkie. Like, that's your drug, is this obsession with the tower. And Roland thinks very frequently that how could he, you know, think of himself at all as a good person or anyone who's on Mm -hmm. this quest when he killed a kid. Uh, Yeah. Not not that long, well, long ago, but, you know. Yeah. Time is a construct. This is all going to be important yes. later. Yeah. Nothing happens. I mean, few things happen in this series that don't have, like, later consequences. So mm-hmm. we'll have a lot more to talk about next week. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for coming in and joining us on one of our fun hiatus episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah follow us on twitter instagram we're weirding pod uh email us weirding podcast at gmail.com we love to hear from you guys we're on facebook all the places um leave us reviews on itunes if you feel like it we sure do appreciate those yes please <laughs> yes and uh be sure to check out our merch store over at t public uh it's under salty said sweetly uh you should be able to find those links on our instagram or on our facebook so uh yeah check it out we've got some great shirts mm-hmm. yeah is there some kind of mid-world uh goodbye i should use i will just say again okay. that we will be back and you can set your watch and warrant on it <laughs> oh god <laughs> all right thanks everyone goodbye bye <laughs> you dork <laughs>